Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. It is so good to be here with you on the first Sunday of the year 2021. We're excited about what God is going to do here in our midst. We're excited about the word that he's given us. Sometimes at the beginning of a new year, you spend a lot of time setting goals and um, making decisions on how that year is going to look for you. Sometimes we just simply need to go back to the basics. When you begin to think about everything that's transpired in your life in the past, and you begin to analyze or debrief yourself on your successes and failures in the previous year, and I think we can all agree 2020 was a challenging year, Sometimes, as the word of the Lord says, go back and do your first works over again. Because it's in shoring up your foundation that you're able to see where you may have gone wrong. And when I say gone wrong, I mean missed the mark, misunderstood, which caused limited success. My desire for this year is that this year be the best year we have ever experienced in our own human existence. That this year we begin to see the fullness of the power of God released in our life and we begin to live out the victory that God has promised us. As I was talking to the Lord last night and spending time with him in the word, not only just in preparation for this sermon, but just that I might grow more intimately connected to him. God showed me something about our identity. And I want to share that with you. If you need a title for today's sermon, you can use my true self. It is so good to be back here in the actual house of God. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn with me in the Word of God, and, and, and we're going to be navigating the Scriptures. We're going to be uh, bouncing around in the Scriptures as we begin to develop this sermon. And it's important that um, you keep your Bibles present with you. And the things that we talk about, you underline them, you highlight them, you make a note of them because there are things that you'll be able to go back to throughout this year to remind you who you are. 1 John 4 and 17, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. And here's the key. Here's what shores up the foundation of who you are and who you can be in this year, 2021. Because as he is, so are we in this world. This, this part of the text has captured my mind, it's captured my thought, it's captured my emotions, it's uh, invigorated me with life and with understanding, with a refreshed revelation from God about things that he has already uh, released in our spirit concerning our identity, things that have become 
uh, lost or buried under the trials of life and the tribulations of just this previous year alone, regardless of the years that preceded 2020. 2020 in and of itself has brought so much on many of us that many of us have forgotten this amazing truth. And you're going to hear me say this over and over and over as we go throughout this sermon today. And you might hear me say it more and more throughout this year. Because as he is, so are we in the world or in this world. So here we are at the start of another year. We thank God that we've come through everything that 2020 has thrown at us. And we can boldly declare... After 2020 got done, giving us its best shots, we're still here. Some of us may have thought we'd never see another new year. One of uh, many things I learned from our 2020 experience is many in the body of Christ do not fully comprehend their true identity. And because of the lack of understanding of their true identity, 2020 was harder on them than it truly had to be. When we lack understanding or knowledge, we perish. Hosea 4 and 6 tells us this very thing. This is the one thing that the enemy tries to steal from us, is our knowledge, our understanding, the clarity of our thinking. If we look throughout the history of every conquering kingdom, the removal of one's history and limitation on the expansion of knowledge for those who were conquered was part of the subjugation plan of the conquering nation. When I do not know who I am, I'm limited in knowing what I'm capable of. When I do not know whose I am, I'm limited in functioning in my rightful authority, power, and position. You see, we must begin to function in truth, not in the things that have become a truth, not in things that are simply baseless and without merit. Because if we're going to function in truth, it will allow us to accomplish everything that we're capable of accomplishing. Everything for which God has commissioned you to do, he has not only commissioned you or called you but he has appointed you, anointed you, and filled you with every resource necessary to, comp to accomplish what he has commissioned you to do. We as his children have to learn and apply what we've learned in our daily lives so that we may enjoy the fullness of the victory that has already been won for us. We have to stop trying to win battles that have already been fought and decided. Who am I? I'm crucified with Christ. I have to understand who I am. So who am I? I have to understand the core of my very being. Well, the very first thing that's necessary for our understanding of who we are so that we can function in the fullness of who we are is we have to understand spiritually, psychologically, and emotionally, this is not a feeling or a notion, but pure truth, that we are crucified with Christ. You see, knowing this 
you turn this truth into faith. And because it is faith, you can stand on it regardless of what may come your way. You believe that he died for you. But what you have to understand is, is that when he died for you, you died with him. When he was buried, you were buried. When he arose, you arose. <coughs> when he ascended, you ascended. Where he is seated at the right hand of God, you are seated. You see, this is not a myth, it's not theory, it's not hyperbole, it's not some story that's been passed down from generation to generation. This is pure, unadulterated truth. After you believe this, come to the understanding of it, you have to yield to what you now know and what you now believe, and at that moment, sin will no longer have dominion over you. You're able to live out the victory that was won by Jesus Christ, a victory that he wants you to experience, not in the life to come, but in the here and now. Everything that God did through his son was not something for us to expect later, but it is something our expectation can be filled with right here, and right now, everything that we've been thinking about or looking forward to can be realized right now. Now, I told you the truth. You need to know that when Christ died, you died with him. This is about identification. You see, you are identified with him. Your identification as a believer with Jesus is one of the greatest truths you will ever learn in this human existence. You see, it's with this understanding you can accomplish everything that you need to accomplish. Let's take a look. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. You see, he's not talking about something that's going to happen at some time in the distant future. He's not talking about our being made like him in the resurrection. His word declares as he is, is, is present tense. It's not future tense. It's not past tense. It is present tense. As he presently is, so are we. Not in some time to come, but right now in this present world at this very moment. A greater truth could not be put in fewer words. Jesus is alive in you and you are alive in him right now and right where you are at. Now when you begin to understand this truth, uh, it becomes true Christmas, real Pentecost, uh, and Resurrection Sunday, all wrapped up together. Jesus Christ is in you, and as he is, so are we. Where? In this world. 
You see, our true identity can be understood from one of two viewpoints. And I want to talk about these viewpoints briefly. I'm not going to hold you long today. First, his identification with us. And secondly, our identification with him. Let me begin today with his identification with us. You see, Jesus identified himself with us first. So we could identify ourselves with him second. Uh, let's examine this truth, his truth, uh, as detailed in the second book of Corinthians uh, at the fifth chapter and the 21st verse. Uh, it has to do with the matter of his identification with us on the cross. Uh, and the word declares, for he hath made him, that's Jesus, uh, for God hath made Jesus, uh, what? To be sin for us. Now that's his identification with us. Jesus' identification with us is that he was made sin for us. But we have to understand his identity so we can comprehend our own. Jesus was not a sinner, but he identified himself with our sin. You see, this is the reason why Jesus was baptized, to identify himself with us. You have to look at baptism. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, but Jesus, uh, being sinless, uh, had nothing to repent of, uh, but yet he still got baptized. Uh, he got baptized because baptism was connected to the uh, process of repentance. And then when Jesus was baptized, he was baptized to identify himself with sinful humanity. He was baptized to, identi to identify himself with our sin. Now looking at this from the second viewpoint, uh, we're baptized uh, to identify ourselves with his righteousness. Uh, uh, let's take another look at his word, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, for God hath made him to be sin for us. Uh, that's his identification with us, uh, uh, who knew no sin. He wasn't baptized or identified with sin because he had sin. Uh, the Bible clearly states Jesus had no sin. He knew no sin. But why did he do this? So that identification could be passed from creator to creation, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is our identification back to him. He identified with our sin and we identify with his righteousness. Oh, you ought to jump off your couch right there and give God some glory because he took upon himself what made you He for us, we in him, for us, in him, for us, in him. Do you see it? Look at it again. Let that verse come alive in you. He for us, we in him. That's true identification. 
We are one with him because he chose to become one with us. He identified himself with us, the good, the bad, and the ugly of us. He did not cast off any part of us, but he identified himself with the fullness of who we were so that we could be identified with the fullness of who he is. We're united with him. In his death. You see, because of our identification in him, we are one with him in death. Romans 5 and 8, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Christ died instead of us. But when he died for us, we died with him. He didn't die by himself, but he died on that cross. And on that cross, we died with him. You see, his death had your name written all over it. He freed you from the punishment of sin because on the cross uh, he paid the cost. Uh, he freed you from the power of sin. You're now no longer a slave to your carnality or to the devil because you have died to those things. You died when Jesus died. And sin now has no more dominion over you and you are free from the slavery and the bondage that you were sold into at the fall of Adam I have a fireplace in my home and I've enjoyed starting fires in it I have a fire pit in my backyard and I've enjoyed starting fires in it but there have been times that I do not have enough time to fully enjoy the fire so I have to put the fire out. Have you ever tried to use already burnt wood to start another fire? You see the burnt wood would not burn again because it had already been burned. I want you to think about that, visualize that in your mind, trying to set a charred piece of wood on fire. You see, the wood burns because of the elements that make up the wood, but when it was burned the first time, the elements necessary to produce fire were removed. I want you to in, 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 uh, visualize that in your mind because this is an illustration of what took place at Calvary. Because when you come to Calvary, you come to a place where the fire of God's wrath has already been. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, God's wrath fell at Calvary and the fire of God's wrath fell on Jesus and then you come and stand at Calvary and identify yourself with Calvary. The fire cannot come where the fire has already been. You see, I cannot be judged now because I have already been judged. The wrath of God has already been poured out upon my sin and now I am made free and identified with the righteousness of Jesus. When Jesus died for you, you died with him. Therefore now you are free 
from the penalty of death. He became a son of man that you might be, that we might be, that I might be a son of God. He took our sins that we might be called innocent. He became guilty that we could be acquitted. He was filled with despair that we might be filled with joy. He took our shame so we could take his glory. He took the pain of hell that we might have the blessings of heaven. He for us, we in him, now we're united with him in his death. Ah, but his death is not the end of the story, nor is it the end of our identification because if we are united with him in his death then we are also united with him in what happened after he died you see after he died he didn't stay in the grave there was no grave powerful enough to hold our Savior down the grave that we are identified with uh, tried to hold us, uh, but because we are identified in Christ, the grave can't hold you. This means that as he got up, resurrection, as he got up, we got up. You see, we're united with Jesus in his resurrection. That's what baptism is all about. It pictures our being raised with him. Not someday, but right now. The apostle Paul said, knowing the power of his resurrection. Romans 6 and verse 4 says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into his death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. The grave has tried to hold you, but you understand who you are. You are the resurrection power of God. Oh, you ought to be jumping up and down right now. Uh, what's tried to kill you can't hold you. You see, baptism is the likeness of his death. Baptism is the likeness of his resurrection, symbolizing that we have a new life. I died with him. I arose with him. He has a life that the grave could not hold. That means I have a life that the grave cannot hold. Everything that's trying to kill you cannot hold you. Because you possess supernatural life. Your former life is over. We have been raised from the dead. We have resurrection life, not in what is to come, but as he is, so are we in this world. Because we are united with Jesus in his death, 
We are united with Jesus in his resurrection. But it doesn't just end there. We're also united with him in his ascension, in his enthronement. You see, we're also united with the Lord Jesus in his ascension and enthronement in heaven. The Apostle Paul wanted the Ephesian church to be a great church. So he prayed a prayer for this church that you ought to learn to pray for your children. Pray for yourself. Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. And if you have some time left, pray for me, your pastor. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians 1 and 15, or starting at 15. Whereof I also, I after I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Not the eyes of your physical eye, but the eyes of your understanding. You see, understanding is essential to your identification. Why? He goes on to say that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. And the word hope here means absolute certainty. Not a maybe so, not a might, not I wish but in absolute certainty. You see, in the Bible, hope doesn't mean uh, the, the same way we use it today. It means solid assurance based upon the word of God, which is true. That's the reason that the second coming of Jesus is called the blessed hope and a surety of his coming. Paul goes on to say that you might know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance, where? In the saints. He's not talking about what you're going to get. <laughs> not, not something that's coming to you. Not something that's been stored up for you. He's talking about what he got in you. His inheritance in you right now. You see, you are his treasure. Right now. The inheritance of God is in you. Paul says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward? You see, most of us don't hear that. We don't understand that. Paul says, oh God, give them wisdom. Give them understanding. Give them revelation. Open their eyes that they might understand the exceeding greatness of his power to us word watch this who believe according to the working that's a right now word of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in 
the world that which is to come uh, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all are you starting to see who you are are you starting to understand who you are are you beginning to comprehend who you are because when you know who you are you know what you're capable of jump over to chapter 2 and verse 6 matter of fact let's let, let's begin in verse 4 but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us now look at it together with Christ do you see that that means he made us alive together with Christ by grace are you saved you didn't have to do anything you didn't have anything to do with it it's all God's grace all his wonderful love now watch it and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus Ephesians 2 4 through 6 so then it begs to ask the question now where is Jesus Jesus is seated in the heavenlies. So then where are you? You might be thinking to yourself, well, I'm sitting on my couch listening to you. Well, in truth, you're seated in the heavenlies because you are raised. You are seated with Jesus where Jesus is seated. Paul said, Lord, open their eyes. Lord, help them to see it. Help them to know the incredible power of it, that they have resurrection power in Christ Jesus. So now you're not only sitting on your couch, you're seated in Christ at the right hand of God. You are in Christ. Oh, look, if you will, in chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians, verse 1, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ. You see, you are part of the body of Christ. So what is true about Christ, watch this. What's true about Christ is true about you. Let me illustrate my point. When you board a cruise ship, you are in the ship. When the ship leaves the dock and enters the ocean, where are you? Now you're in the ship, and the ship is in the ocean. That means you're in the ocean, because you're in the ship, and the ship is in the ocean. You're in Christ, and Christ is seated in heavenly places. Where are you? You're seated in heavenly places with Christ. Now I'm talking about the spiritual realm. You see, we are identified with the Lord Jesus. As he is, so are we this ought to be your model if you need a new year slogan as he is so am i that ought to kick you up give you a kickstart to this 2021 as he is right now not what he's gonna be not what he was but as he is right now so are we 
That is our identification with Jesus. We died with him. We were buried with him. We rose with him. We ascended with him. We are united with him in victory. Now understanding this opens your understanding to a wonderful truth. We have overcome spiritually because he has overcome spiritually. This means that we already possess victory. Victory is not something we are trying to attain. Victory is not something we are seeking after. Victory is not something that, has, that is eluding us or that's before us. Victory is something that you possess. So since I possess victory, it means I am victorious. So here's the issue. We don't pray often from our identification with victory. We have to understand that when we pray, we have to pray from the victory we possess. You see, the victory has been won by Jesus at Calvary. And many of us are not fully experiencing the power and the victory that we possess because we do not understand who we are. We speak to God from a, uh, a position uh, of or a, a sense of being a defeated person or a victimized person or a, a sick person. And when the truth of the matter is revealed, we are not defeated because as he is, so are we. And because he is not defeated, we are not defeated. But our prayers often miss the market times because we pray from the wrong identity. Uh, you cannot access the things of God without having the proper identification. You see, identification is key to access. You, with your identification, is the key to getting you in certain places. On my job, we were given identification cards. They're electronic, uh, they're, they're physical cards, but they have an electronic code on the card. And there's a system that governs the code that's on the card. So when I present the card at the card reader, at the thing that determines my level of access based upon that identification code, I can either have access or be denied access. Because you are in Christ and identified with Christ, your identification grant you access in the here and now to all things like Christ.
Because you cannot accomplish the things of Christ if you don't have the proper identification of Christ. Let's go back to our text again. 1 John 4 and 17, look at it again. Because as he is, so are we. Now the first part is identification, as he is. The second part is appropriation. So are we. So what does this mean to you in a very practical way today? As he is, so are we in this world. Notice, it is in this world that we are to be like him. Not in the world to come, but in this present world. So what does this mean? As he is, so are we. Oh, I don't have the time to break this down like I really want to, but let me just throw this one at you. I promise I wouldn't hold you long, but let me just throw this one at you. His wisdom is our wisdom. So first of all, it means that his wisdom is now our wisdom. Let's jump over in the book of uh, John to the 16th chapter for a quick moment. See, you have to understand how you and I are to have wisdom. Look, if you will, in verse 12 of chapter 16, Jesus says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into truth. A little bit of truth? What my Bible says is he shall guide you into all truth. And he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. And all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and show it unto you. John 16, 12 through 15. Now as he is, so are you in this world. As he had the wisdom from the Father, you have wisdom from the Father. He has sent you the Holy Spirit to put his life into you. And so you're not to be like a ship without a rudder just aimlessly wandering about on the sea of life uh, or moving around without a compass in the dark starless night. Uh, the Holy Spirit of God is sent in you uh, to guide you. Uh, and therefore, if you need wisdom, uh, you can ask God for wisdom uh, with the expectation that the very thing you have asked for, it shall be received by you because as he is, uh, so are we. James says if any man lack wisdom let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it what shall be given you what only let him ask in faith for he that doubteth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed a double minded man is unstable in all his ways uh, that's James 1 5 through 8 let not any uh, let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that Christ is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 
Now that wisdom is yours. But if you don't call upon it, if you don't claim it, you cannot experience what you are identified with. If you claim it, it does you no good if you don't function in it. You see, sometimes we think we know how to handle a situation. We think we got it all covered. But you see, God has wisdom for us. And sometimes, with our own learning and our own natural abilities and our own ingenuity, we think we don't need God. Then we find ourselves in a worse mess than when we started trying to strategize our own great success. Is there a problem that you're facing right now? And you you don't know what to do with it you ought to give your life over to Christ so you can find your true identity in him and then pray and ask God for the wisdom that he promises thank God for the wisdom that he gives you and believe that your decision will be led by the gift of the Holy Ghost which is implanted in you which is the release of his wisdom to be your wisdom as he is so are we. Oh, there's so much more about our identity that I want to talk about. Maybe I'll pick this up again next week. I've given you a lot of food for thought. I've given you a real slogan for this year. Not something that will be fleeting in the coming months, but something that can carry you until the day we're called to be home with him. Begin to encapsulate this idea that it becomes a theology which governs your behavior as he is, which governs your thinking, which governs your emotions as he is. So are we, or make it personal, so am I, as he is. That means whatever condition I'm in, whatever enemy I'm facing, whatever burden I'm bearing, I am still. As he is. And I am not it in the future. I am it right now. I'm already victorious. I've learned to not pray my problem. I don't even pray my solution. I pray my victory. Let me say that again for you. I've learned to not pray my problem. I've learned to not even pray my solution, but to pray my victory. Because I am as he is. As he is, I am 
now in this world. Tune back in with me next week because you have to fully understand who you are so that this year can be the most dynamic year you've ever experienced. So that this year can be the year that you begin to live an abundant life. So that this year becomes the year that you experience the fullness of access to everything God says you are. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you and grant to you great peace. And I look forward to our coming together again. Hallelujah.